You've got uh, the sheet in front of you that says part two that deals with unity and realignment. Last week, uh, I dealt with one of the three things that were causing great changes among uh, the Lutherans and of those three things, one was uh, the preparations that began in 1914 for 1917, uh, which was the 400th anniversary of the nailing of the 95 Theses and all of the preparation for that involved Lutherans getting together. And uh, some of them had ideas about unity. Some of them had ideas about uh, what it meant to be a Lutheran and what... And and we saw kind of the three different uh, branches, you might say, of of Lutheranism, those who had been on the East Coast from quite some time that had fully incorporated into kind of the religious culture. They were getting together with Protestants and uh, uh, fully into that. We saw that there were those like Ohio and Iowa uh, who were somewhat caught in the middle. And then we saw the Synodical Conference, Missouri and Wisconsin, Texas, some of those uh, that were of the immigrant communities that were much more conservative, holding to doctrine and practice with it. We saw that the war itself, um, kind of it, with the uh, announcement in... April 6, 1917, the declaration of war with Germany. Uh, although the efforts to plan for the 1917 1917-400th anniversary had already been going on since 1948, it didn't really mess that up, except kind of at the very end, because there's celebrations in October. But it was probably for the good, <laughs> to tell you the truth, um, those who thought that this Reformation was a celebration of the cultural heritage of being German <coughs> went, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Um, and so it uh, shifted, and uh, for those that it needed to shift, it shifted more to uh, the teachings uh, of the Reformation. And that, that was a good thing. So, we had the war effort. What did the war do? Well, it um, obviously had connection with immigrants, with Germany, with Europe. That changed culture kind of things uh, tremendously. Uh, we'll be talking about some of those things today. For example, the shift from the German language to the English language, those kind of things. There was also, because of the war, there were sons that went off to war. So how are we going to take care of them? And are we going to have chaplains? Are we going to work together with uh, others? How is this all going to work? And then there was the destruction of, of many things in Europe, and how are we going to provide for those who... Now we've got social issues and social concerns. That was a, uh, a big change for the Lutheran Church. Um, 
Um, up until that point, at least for the conservatives, the idea was uh, the church is about preaching the word and administering the sacraments. Everything else is secondary. Um, we're concerned about the faith. Uh, does it mean we care nothing for the belly? Well, no, but, you know. And yet the church began to realize um, it may be secondary, but it needs to happen. Uh, and, and how are they going to, to do those things? So that was uh, affecting the church. The third issue, and I held it off from last week because I thought maybe we ought to get the other one in first. The third issue was simply the changes in society. And probably getting up to, at least in the conservative branches, Getting up to about 1920, not much had changed within the church greatly. Now, I'm talking about the conservatives. But following that, there were radical changes. It's not that there weren't changes. There were changes. There were changes in society. There were changes in individuals. There were changes from a rural congregations to becoming much more urban. There were lots of changes. I want to, and, and it's going to be kind of a potpourri today of, of things, uh, as I'm going to jump from, from one thing to another and um, uh, take a look at, at, at and, and I want to give you the, the picture of, there was so much going on. Uh, and and there was there was responses by the church, um, maybe not always good. There was so much going on that we didn't have time to think about them. Um, there were things in which people were backed into corners on, um, and sometimes the church has to say, "Yeah, we didn't quite handle that well." Um, that's that's all right. So, on your white sheets, going all the way down to the bottom uh, of dealing with the 20s, I'm going to make use of, as I mentioned before, a couple of books that explain some things and, and maybe then uh, will uh, remind me of, of things that I was going to speak about. Um, in the 20s, wrote William E. Lichtenberg, the events of half a century finally caught up with America. The nation's productive capacity exploded. It became the greatest of the world powers. The city overtook the country, and all the institutions of American society buckled under the strain. Perhaps the world did not really break in two around 1922, as Willa Cather had, had claimed, but surely paradox characterized the American scene. It was a time of conformity and liberation, of the persistence of strong rural values and the triumph of the city, of isolationism 
and new international ventures of laissez-faire, but also of government intervention, of competition and merger, and of despair and joyous abandonment. A little later, he says that the dissolution of society affected the church with the breakdown of religious sanctions. So uh, uh, religious proclamations and categories and the way the church just started falling apart. Uh, the decline of the authority of the family, kind of the bedrock of a mother and father and children and, and dinner together, not yet, uh, uh, declining authority, the uncritical adoption of new methods and new ideas, hmm. and, and many of those in the church. First of all, I want to take a look uh, a little bit at the manners and morals. Um, uh, I think they do a, a, a pretty good job of, of speaking about uh, some of these things to kind of give you a little bit more of a feel for it. The United States in the 20s was weary of great causes and anxious for normalcy, rest, and pleasure. So, the war had kind of made us go, oh, you know, can we, can we finally get back to some normalcy? Anxious to make America safe for itself, ready to see dangerous radicalism behind the efforts of the have-nots to share in the burgeoning prosperity, America began the decade with an outburst of fearful repression. In other words, we've held back too long. Um, it's, it's, the war's done. Let's start getting back to and enjoying life. In its wake came a revolution in manners and morals, which accelerated so rapidly that normalcy was not doing what America had always done. That is, that which became normal was, was, was not that, no. But rather, it was always waiting for the newest fad. So, uh, um, you know, if you want to even talk about the, you know, kind of the flipping over, it used to be before... You know, you had the parents, you had the children, you, 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 dressed the par you dressed the children as if they were little parents. They, they, they wore little, little men's clothes, little women's clothes, right? And the society was. Um, from this point on, um, youth was held over, um, you know, someone who would get respect as an elder. no. Youth was what to be had. The adults started dressing as the children. The children set the fads. Anything new was was important. Um, uh, to, to give a one, women voted, demanded equal rights, used cosmetics, began to smoke, wore shorter dresses, drank in public, and competed in business with men as never before. All, yeah. those things which I'm going to say I, I, I thought we had always been doing those you know really all of those things changed and you mean before that that was not happening you know I mean you kind of get this idea that oh yes this is the way it's always been right um, 
And, and so when we talk about conservation, conserving, you know, we're talking about going back to when we were young. But, you know, um, you know maybe, but let's see, Violet, 99, um, was she alive in the 1920s? Um, somewhat, but... Um, the decade gloried in sex as if it had been in, as if it had invented it, gave pseudo scientific imprimatur to self indulgence. There may be some question where the society was actually more hedonistic and materialistic than before, but it surely was more overtly so. Radio, radio tied a nation of isolated sections into one mass culture. Bootleg liquor loosened inhibitions. And the automobile, the key to America's skyrocketing prosperity, gave a totally new freedom of travel and behavior. It was a decade of Harding and Teapot Dome, a scandal which elicited more condemnation by press and public of those who exposed corruption than of those who were guilty of it. It was a decade of precipitous economic ups and downs. Uh, a little bit later, it talks about the great God business. Business was, you know, before this, um, farming, it was rural. It was, uh, wait a minute, business, big business, not just the local took care of your, you know, little rural community and, and, and all. Um was supreme in the land, all aspects of life, even the ch religion and the church, came to be measured by its attributes. Because the future looked secure, the nation as a whole was not dispossessed to take world and domestic problems seriously, preferred instead to concentrate on such distinctions as heavyweight boxing matches, new automobiles, the first trans solo transatlantic flight, Mahjong. What? Mahjong. Mahjong, 1920s. Crossword puzzles. What? And bridge. What I just heard is my grandma is the source of my immorality. Wrestling. <laughs> um, what else? It was the decade when science became the shibboleth and the great judge of all things, including religion. Now, you know, all of the things, you go, hmm. Pseudo, the popular mind was uh, surfeited with an outpouring of scientific, pseudo-scientific information from the public media. Psychology. Psycho I mean, this, this just... It is normal. No, psychology was the most recent of the sciences. It seemed to hold all the secrets to curing man's problems, raising him up to his potential. What was the problem, though? Uh, for the churches, they were losing ground and didn't even know it. Um, and so, uh, what all was 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 happening? Um, economic practices are probably the uh, uh, the first thing that we're talking about. Um, 
What about usury? In the Old Testament, there is condemnation against uh, usury. What is that? Charging interest. Charging interest. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Charging interest mm-hmm. on on a loan that that uh, that you would have. Um, yeah, up up. It, it wasn't that big a deal. But it, now, as this was going on, as people are starting businesses, as as they're going, uh, synodical leaders were. Um, condemning this practice of usury, um, charging interest. Um, who was charging interest? The Jews who ran the banks. The banks were charging interest. So we're a little bit suspicious of the banks. Is it not from the other point of borrowing that you're beholden? That yeah. would they not consider that a problem? <coughs> no. <laughs> From the borrower, because you're. Um, the idea is that the person who is needing to borrow is in need. They are uh, someone who is down, and a Christian should not take advantage and harm someone, you help someone who is down. And so, you take someone who can't do otherwise, and then you say, oh, you're in need, yeah, there's nothing I can do. Well, then I will force you to pay back the money with interest. So I'm not really helping you, I'm not assisting you, instead I'm taking advantage of your condition. Um, That's not loving your neighbor as yourself. That's usual. That's business. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And notice that English word, busyness. <laughs> and you have a degree in that, right? Um, I do. <laughs> um, I, I have a question. How did the church approach this? They preached against it. They taught about it in the Lutheran Witness. I, that after it became English. Before that, you know, Lair and Bear and... Um, how, did, how did they approach it? They started mm-hmm. selling their own insurance. Mm-hmm. AAL. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry, you're going to have to be more... <laughs> the AAL. What? what is that? Tell us. That was Aid Associations, Aid Associations for Lutherans. You make insurance Luther. Now, there's also... I, I didn't even get the insurance yet. That's no, no, no. Well, That's I'm correct. switching to money now, because how does Missouri Synod deal with money? What's the name of that group? Driving is not strictly. No, the synodical. Lutheran Church Foundation. Lutheran. No, that's that's the one where they get money. What has happened? You thought the acronyms for the Lutheran bodies. Where the one where the church they loan the church the money to build a building. That's Lutheran Church Extension. L C E F. The the Lutherans did what the Lutherans always have done at least since 1850. Is well, if we Lutheranize it, then it'll be okay. Oh. <laughs> so they do charge uh, interest. 
So, um, pastoring has jumped over a hundred years um, <laughs> since the 1920s. But I will tell you that what began before the 1920s in the condemnation of usury, by the end of the 1920s, by 1930, it's not talked about at all. Now, there wasn't LCF, yes, there wasn't all of the kind of things. But my point is that... What? They had different names. They, they did not have one yet. They, that didn't come about till later, those, those being set up. The point was is that the church didn't use it and didn't need it because they were rural. They had congregations. Um, uh, they were just starting to... Uh, uh, they, they had local schools, but you didn't yet have the like Concordia synodical system, you didn't have a lot of these higher, they were just starting those. How did the Senate deal with things that were going on? They asked the people, give to this need, the people gave, they gave them the money. Um, I'll get to, um, let me jump over to give you just a little bit. We're going to talk about fire insurance. Um, The Lutheran Church, did not engage in fire insurance. Absolutely not. Gambling. That was considered a form of gambling. It was considered not trusting the Lord concerning. Some went as far as preaching against, and I kid you not, this 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 isn't completely, but lightning rods on the church. You do not put those up. Those are not allowed. Now, there was buildings that were hit by lightning every year. And on some campus, St. Paul, I think, was one of them, the campus of St. Paul. Um, and how did, did they have insurance? Absolutely not. Um, and so, in the convention, they said the St. Paul campus was hit by uh, lightning. There was a fire. Uh, they have raised $3,000 or $3,500 for it. We asked that the Senate would give us 1500 The Senate said, yes, we will do that. That's the way they took care of it. You didn't need a bank. You didn't need a loan. You didn't need... You, that, this is the way you take... If you need to build a seminary campus, you ask the people to give money. They give money. That's it. Now, with the 20s, businesses began to take over, and now things started to change. Um, I'll I'll, I'll come, again, this is a potpourri thing, so it's okay if I move these things around, but I may not get back to everything, just to kind of let you know. So, the Senate, which had been quite uh, decentralized, congregations taking care of things, going together, you get through the 20s, and now it becomes centralized. Now we start to go well as the church starts to grow through the 30s and through the 40s. We start to give the Senate more power and we start to have the Senate take care of things. And instead of us taking care of local needs, we send the money up to them and then they send it to go take care of things. And so business practices began to go forward. How did you take care of the pastor prior to this? You took an offering. 
And you put a chicken in the plate, and you took your pig over to the pasture, and you took care of things. Um, after the 1920s, the double entry system of envelopes. That was a business practice. You, you didn't need that before. Um, but it started to change the church. And those things did. Pastor Rue mentions life insurance. Life insurance. Um, gambling, yes. Um, the real issue was this. Was... Let's see. Um, life insurance turned death, the biblical wages of sin, into a matter for profitable speculation. In the second place, that business of life insurance was wholly founded on selfish principles, not on genuine charity. It advocated doing good only for the healthy rather than for those most in need of aid. In the third place, life insurance was based entirely on usurious practices. What kind of usurious? Usury, once again. And so it's going back to, to banking. So then, what about the stock market? As businesses began to get bigger, then they sold stocks in order to support this. Once again, you didn't need this with small, but you got big business, you got to have these kind of things. And guess what? This was considered very speculative. And uh, um, they said, now we're not going to tell you that it's absolutely sinful, but you better only do this if you're wealthy enough to completely lose whatever you invest and still take care of your family and your church. Because if you are doing that and not doing, um, you know, and so, no, we, we, they did not recommend investing in stocks or banking. And, and, and again, all of this was new. It's coming about, and it's changing things, and it was done by those who are, yeah. Now, so we kind of go, oh, come on. You know, that's, that's, you know, we, we, okay, how many have life insurance? How many have fire insurance? <laughs> yeah. How many work with banks? Yeah. How many have mutual? I mean, come on, at this point we kind of go, are you kidding me? Is this a, my, my, my only response would be, this is 1920s. I don't know how wrong they were, because something happens in 1929. <laughs> you know, if, if you know, if you think those who complained about all of this financial mumbo jumbo, and when it all falls apart in less than ten years, that they're not going, I told you, you know, to take care of your family, these kind of things. Um, Eric had a hand, then I'll get. Say we laugh a lot, but. Their way of their way of doing it worked, and it seems right too. That when you have a problem, you go to the church and go, "Listen, here's the problem," and then they would fund it based on offering or whatever. And they go, "All right, here's how we do this, and here's how we take care of the church," and that seemed to work really well for them. Um, I guess the only trouble I have then is saying that all this that's coming about is sinful. 
and some of the reasoning is almost almost there. I almost believe it. I go, oh, well, I, you know what? Maybe maybe you're not trusting. I trust in God. You're getting life insurance. You go, well, I mean, before it worked. Now it's is the, is that trusting in God, or are you just being a good steward of your well? And I will say that I'm looking at secondary sources. There are some primary sources which I've given. I can't tell you for sure. I wish I was more of a historian to tell you, were these, in fact, a scriptural versus condemning a practice? Was it scriptural versus condemning the use of something that may or may not be sinful of itself, but could be used for wrong uses? Is it, you know, I mean, I'm... You know, I, I don't know. And, and was it, um, uh, let, let me give you one other thing, and then I'll, I'll get a couple more uh, questions. Pensions. This is the time in which retirement, you put aside money for retirement and for pensions. Um, the Senate had many of those who worked as pastors, as teachers. It's not until 1937 that they, not everyone else was moving to pensions. And the Senate and the Lutherans, you know, and the conservatives said, you know, no, we are not doing that. Finally, in 1937, um, up to this point, once again, we've got people that are in need. You collect an offering, and they gave out $50,000 to all of those, you know, to, across the smattering of those who needed, and they all got a part kind of thing. Um, well, just just in thinking, if there weren't pensions, how were things taken care of? By your children. Your children took care of you. No. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> retirement. You know, didn't you have kids? Mm -hmm. That's your retirement. You think <laughs> that's the way things are? Are you trying to break down society? Are you, are, as kids, are you trying to lead uh, um, a selfish life in which you leave your family out? Are we trying to, to mess this whole thing up? No, this is the way things happen. Uh, um, you know, parents do, do not, uh, um, and, and you work. You, you don't say, well, I'm going to live my last 30 years. Uh, you know, I, I worked really hard for my last 30 years. I'll just live for myself doing whatever I want, whenever I want, and being happy and merry. And, well, that didn't sound very Christian at all. Um, so you can see how all of these things kind of upset the society as it was changing, as well as some of the, pra as well as the misuse of some. Yeah. Um, okay, I have this one. You can throw into the pot that uh, the income tax started in 1913, oh, the year my dad was born, it. and that was really a slap in the face oh, for people who have like-minded with our founding <laughs> fathers. What do you mean? After all we've been through, you're going to tax people's income? And I think, isn't that... Also, the year Pastor Haroon, when the Federal Reserve started, or was that 1915? But the Federal Reserve, it didn't start until after the Depression. After the Depression. That would okay. be after 29. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay. One of the major things in the 1920s was the common use of birth control, which broke down society, perhaps, oh. at least as much as all these other things. 
Right. Or, or the uncommon use of it. <laughs> also, also with this with this pension business, you have to remember that Social Security started in July of 1936. It was 25 cents a week. So the church is basically responding to that. Um, labor questions, labor issues, unions. <laughs> In response to big business, in response, um, uh, similar to politics, the conservative Lutherans didn't want to step into this. Uh, the kind of isolationism that said, we're preaching the word of God. We're taking care of the soul. Um, you know, they would at times speak about, you know, not you know, paying someone a just wage, as well as, you know, those who uh, um, respond. But they, they didn't want to, that was not the job of the church. Um, and as it regarded the uh, people that were in the church, unlike other churches in which they determined that the law needed to force behavior, the Lutherans said, once we have uh, taught them the gospel and the good news, it is the gospel that is going to motivate them to do what is right and lead the Christian life. So that if I am preaching law and gospel, often that will take care of itself. And so... They kind of t took a step out and, and tried not to get into that. Now, did all the Lutherans? No, not at all. Um, and again, we have kind of the, the three branches of those that are, that are doing other things. Um, uh, the uh, women's suffrage and feminism and things of that sort... Um, you know, I, I mentioned to you all the things that changed in the 1920s in regards to this. Um, the Lutheran Church itself had no um, theological argument one way or another on women's suffrage in society. We, we never said anything about it. Um, however that it might have an effect upon the church and the roles of men and women, yes, that was definitely an issue. And what was it doing as regards to uh, the family, society, and how is this going to have an effect in the church? Um, again, to talk about the practices that we kind of go, well, you know, that kind of thing's coming into the thing. Um, 1920s. <laughs> the women sat on this side of the church and the men sat on this side of the church. And by the end of the 1920s, families sat together. There was no distinction. I mean, th think about what a radical change that was for the congregation <laughs> itself. Wow. Um, Rachel? The 
the problem with the women's suffrage thing is that even at that point, I'm sure it's harder to see when you're living, you know, worm's eye view, but it changes the order of creation because it tells women that they should have a different opinion than their husband. Which, <coughs> that may be your private opinion, but until now it wasn't your public opinion. There is always the... There is always the... Where are you going to draw the line between something which is human as opposed to something which is gender-specific. Um, is voting something... Now, you, you in society, you can do this any way you want. It's the state. The state can set up however... The state can say, uh, um, you know, only white people can vote. And did. You know, only property-owning white people. You know, that that's the way the state can set something up. It doesn't make it right, doesn't make it wrong. That's just the way they set that up, and then you can change that. But from a church perspective, there are things which we would say belongs to humanity. Does that deny the distinction between men and women if everyone is given the right to vote? Well, I, I mean, it may have an effect, um, but that's always what we're always kind of going, so is that where it is? There are things, and so here's, here's my, you know, let me just give you another point. Um, in, in Paul's time, first, or Corinthians talks about that a woman should have a head covering upon her head. Um, and that particular practice, I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm going to say was often practiced, <laughs> you know, even in America, um, a veil or a head covering or something of that sort. Why? Paul describes that this is, shows the distinction between men and women. A man is not to do this, a woman is to do this, therefore we're acknowledging the distinction in the order of creation. God created men and women. We, okay, we got it. In our own Lutheran Confessions, in which, again, this wasn't universally practiced, even though our Lutheran Confessions say, you know, provided it does not bring offense, you don't have to do that. It has been set aside, and universally it kind of was. There are some places that practice it, but it wasn't. And, and the Lutherans said, listen, provided you don't offend and provided that you still teach the order of creation, men and women, you don't have to do, you know, Paul wasn't saying it has to be that way. He's just saying that's the, what showed it. Great. 1920s. In the congregation, we had a distinction between men and women. The men sat on one side, the women sat on the other. Do you have to do it that way? No. Are we denying the order of creation by having you sit by your husband or your wife? No. No. Okay. So now what do we have? So that we can say to the world, we understand the distinction in the order of creation. You're not wearing a head covering. You're not sitting on one side of the pew. Um, you, 
We don't have any outward sign of it. We have our teaching. Yes. But we, we have our teaching. No outward sign. But we've lost yeah. any outward signs. Yes. Patty? Okay. But God created families. So why can't the family sit together and still be? <laughs> right. You know. Right. And so when, when, you know, if I come to you and I say, uh, Patty, I noticed that you're sitting by your husband, Dan, you <laughs> radical feminist, you. <laughs> and you look at me and go, what, and I, you know, family's good, I love my husband, what, what are you talking about? You know, well, yeah, it's been so long, the 1920s, you know, nobody is offended by, anyone offended by Patty sitting by her husband? <laughs> I mean, really. So, you know, exactly. Things change. Now, I, you know, I'm not quite sure in the 1920s. This probably offended people. And there was probably those that said, you know, listen, you're, you know, why? Because that practice was done for, not to denigrate family. It was done to distinguish, you know, but things change. Um, I'm not saying we ought to go back to it. I'm just saying that. You know, sometimes we do it uncritically. Sometimes, after the fact, we explain it. Um, I, you know, uh, I'm, this isn't a 1920s thing. Let me just give you, um, when I grew up, my parents went up for communion, and they asked the Haroons, you watch that little kid in the pew here, and then when you go up, we'll watch your little snotty kid, and we'll make sure that, you know, that happened. Somewhere along the way, you brought your kid up to communion. And the pastor goes, well, what am I going to do with this kid that's that? You know, he's not communing. He's not, well, I don't know. I guess I'll just, I, I guess I'll bless. I guess I'll give him a blessing. And I guess I'll talk about his baptism. Um, was that an intentional <coughs> change? No. I think it just happened. I, we don't know why it happened. And, and at some point it happened. And we kind of deal with it. And now we begin to have questions like my, my buddy Joe came to church with me and he's baptized and you bless Mary's kid. Can't, can't 25-year-old Joe come up and get a baptismal blessing? Well... I, he's baptized, he's a, and I, well, you know, I'm, I'm not quite sure I'm going to say no. I mean, that doesn't, that sounds bad, but I'm not quite sure, you know. And so then you kind of go, well, now we got people up there that are adults, and you would think they're communing, but they're not communing, and then you come up with, oh, then we'll have them cross themselves, because then we know that the, and I go, you know, I, like the Baptist, why don't we pass it down the aisle now? Because I'm not quite sure, you know, I guess I'm, um, so sometimes practices, with, you know, you, it's, it's done after the fact that you realize what's happened, and now we've got to figure out what we're going to do. It's, it's often viewed as a, we don't do this, we don't do this, but it just should be, sometimes it's more helpful as a kid to learn why you do something, because you're protecting something. And a woman wearing a head covering teaches that she is under the authority of a man. Is that a bad thing? I mean, in society, yes. But as a Christian, if it's properly taught, it's a it's a teaching tool. And so you end up just sort of throwing this out so nobody knows why you did it in the first place. <laughs> so frustrating. Well, see, but there there's the problem. There, there you, you, you hit right on the problem because what's authority? 
It certainly isn't what we think it is in our country today or in the world. It's certainly not what our old sinful man thinks it is. Might make right. Because in the, in the, if you look at if you look at God as He speaks to Moses in the Old Testament, Moses has authority, and what's his what does that authority give Moses to do? Responsibility. He has responsibility for all the millions of Israelites. So if a husband has re- authority over his wife, what does that mean? He's responsible, he has a He's responsible for taking care of us, her. If the pastor has re- authority over the church, what does that mean? He's responsible for you. And there's the problem, because our old sinful man says, I don't want anybody to be responsible for me. I'm responsible for myself. (laughs) To hell with everybody else. I don't want a woman responsible for me. I don't want anybody. I don't care whether it's a man or a woman or a big dog or whatever it is. I don't don't want it. I don't even want God to be responsible for me. Oh, Oh, well. Right, you guys can take that out. <laughs> to, to continue with the women, in the Senate, there were men teachers. There were men that were educated at the college. To admit women to college, much less to have them teach, was not done. They opposed it. Uh, um, they were not put into the classrooms until 1930, 1940. They started to allow them to go to college. They put a quote on them to make sure that it wouldn't overcome. Because what happens? Anytime you have a vocation or a job and women are admitted to it, the men leave it. That's what happens. That gets me the rest of the women thing. Tony and then Brian, or Tony and then Eric. Small point, but when I was growing up, you, you know, you, you were talking about head coverage in the 20s and stuff. But I distinctly remember my great-grandma who took care of me. Every time she went out, they called it a scarf, and she yeah. would tie on her head. Mm-hmm. And every older woman I, I remember mm-hmm. in 1970, tied, and it wasn't nothing but like a, and tied it on. I don't think I've ever seen a woman, now that I think about it, ever use that. It, I'm, was that just a fad thing that happened, you know? Um, Sorry, I don't know. Um, I, I would agree. I've seen that. Yeah. Um, I, I, and being I, I, very. Exactly. I got to get my scarf. My great grandma. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I remember things like my uh, uh, my grandmother Sadie, who um, was a uh, a woman to the T, um, but she had the garden and she had everything. Um, she was supremely embarrassed. She put on a pair of pants mm-hmm. underneath her dress. When she was out in the garden, mm-hmm. yep. Yep. and and she, you know, um, if somebody came over, you know, whew, we had to. Uh, that was not, you know, and and she was embarrassed about that. But it was a practical matter, and she was out in the garden, and she did her work, and you know. Um, so I think there's a lot of these practices that I, I kind of go, that's just not in my thing. But um, things change. And things change radically, you know, you can go back hundreds of years before and kind of go, yeah, it was pretty much the same. Eric? I'm sure you have a, a few more of the um, 
somewhat seemingly out of the after points that were changing. But we just got done, I think it was last Sunday or the Sunday before, and we were talking about how the churches were trying to get together and not get together, and faith was a huge issue with that of, well, this contradicts faith, and you have these communion problems. Was that going on at the same time or previous to this? This is going on at the same time. Now, there obviously were, and I'm, I'll get into some of these, you're right, they you know, either adiaphora of practice, practices that are neither commanded nor forbidden, but can be used or misused, and we can speak about those. But you also had on both issues, you know, out on the East Coast, you had uh, several of these Lutherans that were absolutely on board with abstinence and, you know, trying to have prohibition of alcohol, as well as... Sunday, we had to force everyone to close, and you had, uh, uh, you know, kind of this, the new Sabbath laws that was done. The conservatives had nothing to do with that. You know, thought that was absolutely ridiculous. So there was a, that, these did complicate things even between. Um, and dancing. I but you ask about dancing. Good. <laughs> you ask, is it proper? It isn't fitting for you to wish to be a Christian. If you wish to be a Christian, it's not fitting. One, you thereby conform yourself to the world, Romans 12, 2. Two, you are, you are to deny worldly lust, to which belongs also the desire to dance, Titus 2, 11 to 12. You cannot do such worldly dancing in the name of Jesus, Colossians 3, 17, nor to the glory of God, 1 Corinthians 10. Four, you thereby give offense for one thing to the believers, especially to the youth, and for another also to the people of this world who are outside the church, Matthew 18. Five, dancing has already brought great physical harm. Spiritual loss. The loss of a good name to innumerable people. And my favorite, number six. As the result of the dance of a frivolous girl, oh John the Baptist was killed. His bloody head brought to her on a platter as a dance prize. Matthew fourteen sixteen. It seems to me that whoever thinks this over seriously must thereby lose his desire to dance. But if a person still goes on dancing, then this will be a sign that he is frivolous and doesn't take God's word seriously. However, any person who in one or several instances puts out of his sight God's word and the fear of the Lord will soon regress in his Christianity all around, become even more secular, and ultimately lose the word and faith. Therefore I say, quit dancing, so that you may retain a sensitive and clear conscience. Um, that all comes from a book called. That comes from a book called "The Borderline Between Right and Wrong." <laughs> Doesn't that fall under something like uh, making no images? And then, if you read the whole context of where that is, it says, "and and worship them." God says, "Make them and worship them." Not that they are not to be made for secular purposes, is my understanding. So the dancing, as in uh, Herodias' daughter, obviously was for ungodly reasons. But uh, I happen to know, Pastor, that you pay somebody to teach you how. The dance of modern society is based on licentiousness. <laughs> um, 
And you ask me now, well, what about the theater? Yes, it is not high art. It doesn't contain any real literature. It only recreates the baser emotions. Thus, it is an institution of evil. Um, going to theater uh, is also to be prohibited among Christians. Um, we're going to go on. This automobile that has come about. Um, uh, we took a road trip. We went down to Cape Girardeau. We saw the what house? The Glen. The Glen House. Um, in one of the rooms, they they told us about the the younger boy uh, got an automobile and was into driving the automobile. Um, you know, the automobile went 30 mile an hour, went fast, fast. And because of all, and it, the, the, the boy died, killed himself in an automobile wreck. Mm-hmm. This is what was going on with the youth. This, they were Sunday spins, they were going out and avoiding church. Uh, the high cost of, of people, the morality of being away. Um, this automobile cost an awful lot for the thrills that you would have. And it broke, and then all you, and it was not, you know, didn't last a long time, um, and thus you would, you would do this and not take care of your family. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with repair people in autumn. I'm sorry. You're, you're probably irreparably, you know, in, contributing to the uh, dissolution, dissolution of society. Um, but once again, you can see what was going on in society. And when they looked at, you know, whether it's right or wrong, when they looked at the outcome of some of these things and said, hey, you know, it's no different from us today looking at whatever you want to call, you know, your media sites, looking at your cell phone, looking, and we're, you know, um, I, I understood that I was going to break open, you know, um, every one of your... You know, yeah, those rotten kids looking at cell phones all the time. You know, Karn and I sit at home and complain about those old people looking at cell phones all the time. <laughs> you know, we, we've got, you know, is it wrong? No. The cell phones. But in all those social media, is that what should you be doing? I don't know. Um, but you do have to come to a realization that, um, and, and maybe many of these things we look at and go, yeah, there's a lot of things that have changed in my lifetime. Now, I don't know if it was as much as this, but it has. Um, I have the hand. Well, I was just going to ask, uh, with, the, with the dancing thing, I have to ask my mom, but I'm pretty sure she was not allowed to dance. And so I was just wondering, do you know, does it, did it affect the conservative churches? Absolutely. And there are some that still hold to that. I think CLC... And some others, it, this was big way through the 19, I don't know, 80s, 90s, uh, um, and I think still in effect. Um, and the question was, is um, for, for them, the question was, yes, this dancing is wrong, but, um, but could you dance with your wife at your marriage? Because you're already married then. My favorite... Um, uh, do, do you uh, um, do you know why the 
Do you know why the Lutherans um, uh, are are against you know uh, uh, sexual activity and all? It might lead to dancing. <laughs> um, the, what do we have? Um, I'm, I'm going to get this. You know, I've talked about labor issue. I've talked about some of the other things that, that came up. I'm going to I'm going to visit this one more time. Not for the whole time, but I want to I want to illustrate some things, especially as it regards to English, uh, the English language, and things coming about, um, and and how the church had to wrestle with 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 many of these things and these changes. When it comes out on the other side, um, it's just not talked about. Many of the things kind of fall away. It's no longer uh, uh, an issue. Um, And I would say, you know, uh, just like today, there are many things that are, that these things are going on and we kind of go, yeah, we don't talk about that uh, as well. What is the church to put you know the best construction on it you know yeah the church doesn't want uh, its member it wants to keep its members in the truth and that is a great concern um, it also doesn't want things to take away from take them away from church whether it's the automobile or, 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 or other things um, much of the big business was to put that first and foremost Many of these things ended up changing the way the church does things, for good or for bad. It's now become a business. Here's what you do. Um, we we lose the family changes as well. Um, yeah, kids, you don't have to take care of us. We got a pension fund. We're good. Um, I I don't know. Um, when we get on the other side, we're going to see that one you saw in the 1930s, the ALC is formed. Um, we're going to uh, kind of go forward from that point, but the church has 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 changed. We will see that uh, Missouri and the Synodical Conference um, are still holding to doctrine and practice; that those are the that which is needed for for fellowship, and and are going forward. Um, we'll see what happens to the other two branches, which which end up coming together um, and farther down the word we'll see how it all kind of shakes out let us pray Heavenly Father give us wisdom uh, that we might understand your word that we might hold to its teachings uh, that we might in the church uh, have your word and your word alone um, Uh, regulate our uh, faith and life. Uh, But we also ask uh, that in families as well as in the state uh, that your natural knowledge uh, and and wisdom might go forward to to take care of those things that would be uh, uh, good and not harmful for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.